Thanks for listening to the Three Strands Podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit us at threestrands.church. We're glad you're here. We're in the last part of this series. Um, We've tackled the fear of God. We've tackled the fear of rejection. We've tackled the fear of failure. And today we're going to end up with the fear of death. So that's something all of us can relate to. Because there's a one out of one chance, unless Jesus comes back first, okay, that we are going to leave our bodies and our bodies are going to die and go to heaven. So I just want to ask you, start off this morning, how about you? Are you afraid of death? Some you think about, you know, some of you may answer uh, when I say that, no, not really. I mean, I kind of know where I'm going. I put my faith in Jesus. I trust in God's promise. I just, to be honest, don't think about it a whole lot. Others of you may say, well, I'm not really terrified of death, but I have to admit that I am just a little bit afraid. Woody Allen uh, once said, I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens. You know, and that's kind of how I think all of us would, would probably say it. And some of you may say this, I'll just be honest, I'm scared to death of death, right? I'm just scared, terrified about it. I mean, think about it. So anytime that you come across a list of phobias, you know, uh, death, the fear of death is always listed among the top three phobias that people have. I heard about a fourth grade Sunday school teacher who asked her class how many of them wanted to go to heaven. And one little boy did not raise his hand. And she said, Johnny, don't you want to go to heaven when you die? And he said, oh, yeah, when I die, I thought you were taking a busload to go up today. The truth is that we Christians talk a good game when it comes about wanting to go to heaven. But the truth is many of us still have this fear of dying because death is mysterious. Death is permanent. It's usually undignified. Oftentimes it's painful. And it goes against our instinct to live. And the truth is we're fascinated by it. Some people, that's all they watch on television is shows about death. It fascinates them. That, that's one, probably one of the reasons that uh, I'd say 75% of the news stories that we watch that make the headlines, they all have to do with death, right? I mean, somebody died overseas or there was a car accident over there or an earthquake over here, you know. And the Bible even refers to people being in this lifelong bondage to the fear of death. Famous publisher William Randolph Hearst would not let the topic of death even be discussed in his presence. Billionaire Howard Hughes evidently didn't even write a will because he did not want to face the truth of his own mortality. NFL announcer John Madden would take a train all the way across the country if necessary to avoid flying because he didn't want to crash and die. And so some people worry so much about death that they interpret, you know, every discomfort as cancer and every pain as a potential heart attack. But they refuse to go to the doctor to find out because they're afraid of the truth. Okay? I've been there before, by the way. I don't go to the doctor a whole lot. But but some people, you know, won't even go to like a funeral home or, or a cemetery or even use the word death. When somebody dies, they say, well, they've passed or, or they've moved on. And then you have other people who go to the opposite extreme and they talk about death all the time. And, and they keep reminding those close to them, you know, this Christmas could be my last 
Could be my last Christmas, you know. You may, you may never see me again after this year. One cardiologist said one of his biggest hindrances to the Christian faith was that he treated a number of preachers with heart problems, and he discovered that they were horrified of dying. And so the fear of death can even minimize our witness for Jesus. You know, it's not just our own death we fear. Some people live in fear that a loved one could die, and then they try to remove every risk, any potential risk, to prevent that from ever happening. But just like the other fears that we've learned about in this series, the fear of death is not altogether bad. The will to live is one of the strongest God-given instincts we have. And that innate fear of death keeps us from taking silly chances. It keeps us from committing suicide, from abusing our bodies. And you know, sometimes it motivates us to live holy lives, doesn't it? If you're old enough to remember kind of post-September 11, 2001, you'll remember that back then church attendance just skyrocketed. I mean, it, it just went through the roof. The threat of death, which seemed so far off before then, it motivated people to temporarily, anyway, think about God, to think about eternity, and to think about judgment. Well, as you look through the Bible, few characters I can think of um, confronted death more frequently and more courageously than did David in the Old Testament. You remember when David was a teenager and he confronted the giant Goliath with no fear at all? I mean, Goliath was this terrifying figure. I mean, think about it. Standing over nine feet tall, dressed in this protective armor from head to toe. And he challenged the biggest and meanest of Israel's army to come out and fight him one-on-one. -on -one. And if you look in 1 Samuel chapter 17, the first part, uh, first part of verse 37, it says, The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion... And the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Well, you know the rest of the story, don't you? David downed that trash-talking giant with a slingshot, and he instantly becomes a national hero. Now, most of his confidence in that story was from having trust that God would give him the victory. But, but I just can't help but wonder if maybe one of the reasons that David did not fear death back then was because he was a teenager, Right? You know teenagers, okay? Many young people think, kind of like as the great theologian Travis Tritt once sang, they are 10 feet tall and bulletproof, right? And I wonder if maybe David didn't think that back then. You know, he just, I don't die until I get old. I'm big and bad, bring on the giant. I, don't, I ain't scared. Killed a bear, killed a lion, killed, you know. But many teenagers think like that, don't they? And so they live on the edge and they try anything and not worrying about death because you don't die until you get old. Not necessarily. You ever been driving down the highway and some teenager speeds by you, weaving in and out of traffic? No fear. And then you come across like an 85-year-old man driving 25 miles per hour. And I always thought that was, was backwards. That should have been in reverse. But it, it seemed backwards to me. But anyway. David didn't fear death, even though the odds were against him. Mainly because he was convinced, even at a young age, that God was going to help him. Well, a few years later, David has another close encounter with death, and this time it's King Saul. And King Saul was so threatened by David's popularity that he became mad with jealousy. And twice, two times, he hurls a spear at David, trying to pin him to the wall and kill him. 
And David ducks, and he barely escapes with his life. And so Saul then sends out soldiers to David's house to arrest him. And Michael, uh, David's wife, found out about it, warned him, and David scrambled out the window and runs for his life. And he goes and tells his good friend Jonathan, your, your dad's trying to kill me. And Jonathan insisted, that can't be true, David. That's not true. But in 1 Samuel 20, verse 3, he says, I swear to you, I swear to you that I'm only one step away from death. I swear it by the Lord and by your own soul. And I want you to notice here that David's not so confident this time, is he? Like when he was fighting Goliath. David was not so sure that he was going to escape death this time, and he runs for his life. And ironically, one of the, uh, or the first place that he runs to is Gath, which is the hometown of the giant Goliath. And so he hoped that since he was now an enemy of King Saul, that the Philistines would welcome him and protect him. But their soldiers there said to King Achish, they said, this David, he's dangerous. I mean, he's the one that they've been singing about in their dances. You know, Saul has slain his thousands and David is tens of thousands. That's the one they're singing about. And look at 1 Samuel 21 and verse 12. David heard these comments and he was very what? He was afraid of what King Achish of Gath might do to him. Is this the same guy that, that killed Goliath? Yeah, he was afraid of what he might do to him. And so he pretended to be insane scratching on doors and drooling down his beard. This is David we're talking about. When David's life was on the line this time, he was afraid and he took creative action to survive. And the king just dismissed him as being crazy. And for the next decade, David lived as a fugitive with a price tag on his head. And every single night when he went to bed, probably in some cave somewhere, he knows that Saul's soldiers are roaming the hillside trying to find him and then kill him. But it says that his best friend Jonathan came to him and said in 1 Samuel 23, verse 16, it says Jonathan went to find David and he encouraged him to what? Stay strong in his faith in God. Don't be afraid, Jonathan reassured him. And you know, since, since David lived under this constant threat of death for so long, it's no surprise to me that when you read through the Psalms uh, that David wrote, he wrote so many of them about the fear of confronting death. You ever notice that? When you read through the Psalms, that's, that seems like it's all it is. There were tons of them. There, there are many of those Psalms with absolute faith in God. And then there are some with horrible fear. And I just can't help but think that that's very similar to how you and I are when we think about death, just like King David. Let me read just a few of them to you that David wrote. Psalm 913, he says, Lord, have mercy on me. You see how my enemies torment me? Snatch me back from what? The jaws of death. Psalm 18:5. the grave wrapped its ropes around me. Death laid a trap in my path. But in my what? Distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. Psalm 23, 4. You're very familiar with this one. Even when I walk through the darkest valley. This doesn't sound like fighting Goliath here, does it? Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you're close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Psalm 55, 4. 
He said, my heart pounds in my chest. Listen, the terror of death assaults me. Fear and trembling overwhelm me, and I can't stop shaking. Oh, that I had wings like a dove that I would fly away and rest. He wrote in Psalm 68, 20, Our God is a God who saves. The sovereign Lord rescues us from death. Psalm 88, 15, he said, I've been sick and close to death since my youth. I stand helpless and desperate before your terrors. Psalm 94, 17, unless the Lord had helped me, I would soon have settled in the silence of the grave. I cried out, I'm slipping, but your unfailing love, O Lord, supported me. When doubts filled my mind, your comfort saved, or gave me renewed hope and cheer. And the last one I'll share is, is Psalm 141.8. He said, I look to you for help, O sovereign Lord. You are my refuge. Don't let them kill me. Well, David lives through this decade of being chased as a fugitive. He was crowned king. He reigned for 40 years, and then he died an old man. And the Bible says that on his deathbed, he made some final arrangements. He placed Solomon on the throne to succeed him as king. He advised him on following the Lord faithfully. He gave him instructions on how to handle certain situations. You know, here's how you're going to handle this. And in 2 Samuel 23, verse 5, David's last words are recorded for us, and he says this. He said, Is it not my family God has chosen? Yes. He has made an everlasting covenant with me. His agreement is arranged and guaranteed in every detail. He will ensure my safety and success. In 1 Kings 2.10, it says, Then David died and was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. Guys, I want to share with you four lessons this morning from David's experience that should help us to overcome our fear of death. And the first one is this. Death is inevitable, so be certain that you've prepared for it. It's inevitable, so be sure that you've prepared for it. Listen, David did not pretend that he was invincible, okay? He confronted the reality of death, and when the time came, he was ready. And listen, the most important thing we can do is to receive Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior and be baptized into him. That's, the, that's it, okay? That's how you prepare. You know, one of the main reasons we fear death I think it's because the truth is, I think we're terrified of God's judgment, don't you? I think that's why we fear it. Look at Hebrews 9, 27. It says, and just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. I think that scares some of us to death. We feel guilty about our sins. We know we've done things that are against God's will. And we know that we're going to have this, this after-death meeting with the creator of the universe. And we are terrified that he is going to find us guilty of our sins and we're going to spend eternity in hell. That's how many people think. In Acts chapter 24, Governor Felix listened to Paul preach about righteousness and, and self-control and the judgment to come. And Felix, it says, was afraid. Look at it in uh, verse 25. It says, Felix became frightened and said, go away now, he replied. When it's more convenient, I'll call on you again. 
And like Felix, we fear the thought of standing before God as our judge. And the cure for that, guys, is not to just not think about it, but to repent of our sins and simply accept the amazing grace and forgiveness of Jesus. Hebrews 2.9, the second part says, Because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for just a few people. No, for everyone. So we fight fire with fire. God fought death with death. Look at Hebrews 2.14. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death. Only in this way, listen, could he set free, listen, all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. I wonder how many people in this room this morning lived their lives as a slave to the fear of dying. I bet it's a bunch. Listen, when we put our trust in Jesus and when we are baptized into him, we are promised the complete forgiveness of our sins. It's good news. Listen, all the sin that we've committed is deleted from God's record. And we are promised that when we stand before God on judgment day, this is the good news, you're not going to be condemned. We're not going to be condemned, but we're going to be granted the promise of eternal life. And that's wonderful news. Look at Romans 6, um, verse 4. It says, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. You know, it would be a horrifying experience to jump out of an airplane without a parachute, wouldn't it? I think it would be pretty scary to jump out of an airplane with a parachute, but not as bad as without one, right? Death without Jesus is terrifying. But when you have the assurance of a safe landing, it loses much of its terror. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54, he said, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he said, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. What wonderful verses. Those of us living in fear of death, these verses should just comfort us this morning. And you know, it can also help um, for us not just to make spiritual preparations, but physical that means you purchase appropriate insurance or you type out a will or maybe you secure a, a cemetery lot. That's not just something for older people to do. So some people find it helpful to prearrange their funeral and sit down and talk it over with their family. That's just wise, you know. Second thing is this. Accept the fact that some fear is normal. Listen, even if you're a believer. Even if you're a believer, you shouldn't be scared if you're a Christian. Even if you're a believer, some fear is normal. On one hand, we read where David said that he walked through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil because God was with him and that he would dwell in the house of the Lord forever, right? 
But on the other hand, we read where David says his heart is in anguish. That that fear has tormented him thinking of death. You know, some of the strongest believers still struggle at times with the fear of death, and that's normal. None of us have ever experienced death. It's unknown. And we worry. We worry that it, that it could be painful or that we hate to leave behind the people that we love. And many people at times struggle with doubt. But you know, one of the biggest things that you and I can do uh, when that kind of fear kind of kicks in and overtakes us maybe is just to memorize and rehearse the promises of Jesus. So if you struggle and you think, man, I'm just, it scares me to death. Memorize and rehearse the promises of Jesus. Hebrews 13, 5 quotes Deuteronomy 31, 6 and 8 when it says, He will never leave you or abandon you. Do you believe that? He said for us not to let our hearts be troubled or afraid. That that He would give us peace. His peace He would give us. And He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, he will live. Do you believe that? And guys, when we rehearse these promises, we remember that the one who made them has kept every single promise he's ever made, including the one to rise from the dead. So that gives me some assurance. Okay? And we've got to just ask ourselves, you know, I think about this stuff all the time. When I get up here and teach, I I think, man, I struggle with some of this stuff. But then I ask myself, do you really believe it or are you just telling it to other people? And I think there comes a point, as Christians, we have to ask ourselves, you know, do I really believe what I say I believe? Or am I just spouting off Bible verses? So the question I want to ask you this morning, for those of you who call yourselves Christians and follow Jesus, do you really believe this stuff? Or are you just pretending? Yes, Lord, I believe it. I believe it with my whole heart, my whole being. I would put my life on the line for what you say, those promises, and I'm not going to be afraid because I trust you. Third thing is this. Be confident that God will supply the strength we need when that time comes. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. You know, I've heard some Christians say after a parent dies or after their spouse dies that God gave them this this peace, they said, passes all understanding, even in the middle of their pain. And, And they somehow mustered up the strength to even thank God in that moment for the time that he blessed them with here on earth together. Guys, that's the Holy Spirit speaking through them in that moment. The scriptures say that death is going to be the last enemy to be defeated. And we have just got to trust that when that time comes, Jesus, who died on the cross for us and rose from the dead, he's going to defeat that enemy for us as well. It says, God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a power of love and self-discipline. So we don't need to be timid, but just trust God's promise that he's going to defeat the enemy of death as well just like he has our whole life been defeating enemies for us. And the last thing I want to leave you with is this. Increasingly set our focus on the eternal and less on the temporary. Colossians 3, 2 
says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. You know, the Bible doesn't give us a whole lot of detail about heaven, but we do have enough information to kind of eagerly speculate and anticipate. The Bible teaches that when we die, our spirits kind of slip from our body, kind of like a hand slipping out of a glove, and immediately we're ushered into the presence of God. Some people debate this and go, oh, no, no, there's this soul slip. Listen, I know this because the scriptures say this. Let me prove it to you. 2 Corinthians 5.8 says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Jesus told the thief on the cross in Luke 23, 43, today you will be with me in paradise. Not later on, today. 2 Corinthians 5, 1, for we know that when this earthly tent that we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. So listen, there's no temporary place of purgatory. The Bible doesn't teach that there's this place of soul sleeping. We go immediately from the body to be with the Lord. Jesus called it his father's house. And he said, John 14, 1, don't let your hearts be troubled. I know this is bothering some of you, he's saying. Even this morning, he said, I know, I know when you think about death, some of you won't even think about it. But when you do, I know it's bothering you. And I just want to comfort you this morning, he's saying, but don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. He said, there's more, just let it wash over you. There's more than enough room in my father's home. Guys, if this weren't so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything's ready, I'm going to come and I'm going to get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. Guys, in God's house, we're not going to sit around and play harps all day, okay? The first thing God's gonna do is he's gonna wipe every tear from our eyes because he said that there would be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more mourning. And then we'll be given uh, new bodies to enjoy. Think about that, right? No more lipomas, okay? I can't wait for that, you know? All this stuff, these physical ailments that we have, we get new bodies to enjoy, and the scriptures say that this mortal body will put on immortality. Think about that. But the main thing is that Jesus will be there. And we're going to be able to see the creator of the universe face to face. And know him then even as we are known today. Isn't that incredible? Guys, we'll be able to thank him face to face for his grace and for his death for us. The apostles will be there. Ever thought about that? All these people, all these preachers that bash Peter, I'm thinking you better be careful because someday you're going to be looking eyeball to eyeball with Peter, you know? So I try not to bash him for his lack of faith, but they're all going to be there. Think about getting to talk with Noah, about building the ark, about Peter and Paul, you know? That's going to be incredible. Our friends and loved ones who know Jesus are going to be there. If, if we don't know Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as the Bible says we will, then surely we'll know each other, right? You know, at airports, when troops come home, I'm sure it's an emotional time at that arrival gate. And I think in heaven, they probably got this ETA, this 
not expected, but this exact time of arrival screen and know exactly when it is that we're coming. Now, now we don't know when we're going to go, but I think they do. And just before we go, they're going to gather together up there. And when we die, we are going to go into the presence of Jesus and he will welcome us. And then he, he may open up a gate and it will be like that old hymn says, friends will be there. I have loved long ago and joy like a river around me will flow. It's going to be incredible. And you know what? The older we get, the less you and I should fear. Be, because the older we get, we're going to have more friends in heaven than we will have here on earth. You ever thought about that? David said in Psalm 46, verse 1, that God is our refuge and strength. He's always ready to help in times of trouble. So what? We will not fear. When? When earthquakes come, mountains crumble into the sea, when death is knocking at my door. He says, I will not fear death because I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 2, that we get tired, we grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put on our heavenly bodies just like new clothes. You like getting new clothes? You know, the, the more that we struggle with problems here on earth, I think the more that we're going to long to go to heaven. It's kind of like one elder lady I heard about. She said, I hope I die pretty soon or else my friends are going to think I didn't make it. You know, I heard about a, a little girl whose parents were away on a two-week mission trip, and she had to stay with her aunt and uncle. And during that stay, her uncle, he, he got onto her, he scolded her for something, he got onto her pretty hard, and so she went up to her room, and, and she pulled out a picture of her parents, and she started to cry. And her uncle got to feeling bad. He thought, you know what, maybe I was a little hard on her. And so he went upstairs to check on her, and he went into her room, and she said, Uncle Bob, I want to go home now, as she was crying. You know what? Sometimes life deals us some hard blows, doesn't it? And inwardly, we may groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. And can I just ask you, do you ever think like that little girl, Lord, I think I'm about ready to go home now. My desire is for everyone in this room is that when your day comes, that time comes, that you'll be ready, that you'll be ready. And the way you get ready is by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And since when that day is, you know, comes, that's unknown, it would, be right, it would be wise to be ready today, wouldn't it? To be ready right now, to make that decision today. I hope and pray that you will. Let's pray as the band comes up. Father, I don't know how this talk sat with people. I know some people are ready to go today. But Father, I think there's others who are probably there trembling that God, if you called them home today, it would just be a terrifying event just thinking about it. I pray that wouldn't be the case. I pray today that you would give some the assurance of their salvation. Father, I pray today that others just need to accept you as Lord and Savior. They would humble themselves, step over that line, repent of their sins and say, God, I'm in just like the two videos we watched earlier, that I want to follow you with my whole heart. I don't want to play church. I don't want to just play games, God. I'm in. With everything I've got, I want to follow you. 
God, if there's somebody here this morning that's, that's sitting on the fence there, would you just gently push them across and nudge them and say, hey, let's do life together so that someday when our, day is, when our number's called, we'll be ready. Father, just give us peace about this subject. And thank you, thank you, thank you for Jesus. For it's only by him that we can have that peace. And it's in his name that we pray.